We are recording. Um, welcome to Window Gazing Podcast, the podcast where two TikTokers try to stay on the same subject for <laughs> any period of time. Uh, today is a special episode I have on uh, Sarah Bigman, and we are going to talk about narcissism. Um, Sarah is the founder of um, Healing Human Integrative Health. Did I say that right? Perfect. <laughs> yes. Um, she is a functional medicine practitioner. She's also a licensed mental health therapist. And Sarah also has a podcast by the same name, the Healing Human Podcast. Um, Sarah is also, um, I call you my best friend. And I know you prefer like one of my best friends. So I'm just going to say, like, I know a lot about you because we talk a lot. And um, I'm so excited to have you on. And uh, the reason that I wanted, oh, the other thing I wanted to say is um, if you would like to support this podcast, I would personally love it. If you would um, support us on Patreon, that is the best way to support this podcast. Uh, you can also engage with TikTok videos. Um, Sarah's also on TikTok, which is how we met. Uh, mm -hmm. And most of the guests that I'll have on are also TikTokers. So anyway, that's all the intro stuff. Um I wanted to talk to you about narcissists, narcissists, narcissism, because you have a very good handle on what it is, how to identify it. And when I first met you, I was in a relationship with a narcissist and mm -hmm. you helped me see it, get out of mm -hmm. the relationship, get better. And you um, continue to be like a big just positive influence in my life for like my own well-being and and like my self-esteem honestly um mm. so like kind of the first thing that I want to talk about is like what is a narcissist what is our definition for this yeah well first of all thank you for such a lovely intro and I I know you are one of my best friends and yes I say it that because I have other friends who might be listening to this who feel similarly, um, you know, me with my special way of saying things. Um, but yeah, narcissism. So, you know, it's a very popular thing nowadays to say narcissist and to throw that around. And I know even people on TikTok get mad about that saying, we can't say this person's a narcissist or we can't say that. You know, I think it's so hard because the DSM tries to make everything be one very specific way. So by this definition, you are a narcissist. By this definition, you are borderline. By this definition, you know, especially for personality disorders, it's never that simple. So when I think of narcissism, I think of all of the components that flow into it. So there's people pleasing within narcissism. There's parts work within narcissism. There's an exiled part. There's a inner child part. There's trauma. Um, there are so many pieces that make up a narcissist that I don't think the long answer is the short answer to the long answer is I don't think there's a one definition of narcissism, but the best way I can put it is somebody who really struggles with their inner self-worth for whatever reason, where it could be due to trauma, it could be to, um, you know, their own mental health struggles, and they have kind of exiled this part of them. Um, that allows them to show and care for others and have empathy. Um, and it is, in my opinion, an extremely protective response to be a narcissist, uh, so much so that the person usually isn't aware of it and therefore can cause quite a lot of damage to others um, because of the way that they do not have insight into their own emotions. 
What are your thoughts? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, my like sort of quick definition of a narcissist, and I cheated because I looked at what Wikipedia said, um, <laughs> is like someone who is abnormally self-centered to a degree to and and in an unconscious way to mm-hmm. a degree that it hurts other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I see with narcissism now and really wasn't aware of it before is like all of my emotions matter and yours don't at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I see in patterning in like relationships is narcissists always end up in relationships with people who are willing to take all of the blame mm-hmm. and they don't take on any of the blame, right? So they mm-hmm. have a need for whoever they pair with in relationship, that person needs to be extremely good at um, taking on personal responsibility for things. So um it's so funny because you'll send me TikTok videos. You're like, oh, this one, this person seems narcissistic, like <laughs> just like helping me identify it, you know? And yeah. I looked, so the person that I was in a relationship with, like my primary narcissistic person that I've been in a relationship with, luckily I've only, I think had one. Um, and, and for the, um, the people listening to this, for the listeners, I want to try to help you identify if you are in a relationship with someone with one of these mm-hmm. people um, so that we can help you like protect yourself basically. Yeah. Um, anyway, but the person that I was in the, the relationship with who was a narcissist, um, I watched their TikTok videos last night briefly mm. and I was like, oh my God, I see it. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm curious if like, you know what you're looking for because you can identify <laughs> it so well. Like, what do you see in this person that you can know it right away? It's a really good question. And even in preparation for this, I was trying to think of that because I figured you might ask me based on the fact that I do send you those TikTok videos. And it's so funny because I'll just come across someone on my For You page. I'm like, oh, narcissist. And I'm like, Brown, look. <laughs> Brown, look, I sent you this video, right? Um, you know, to show you that this person is presenting in a certain way. And for me, I think it stems from my hypervigilance too, because, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, but there's a lot of back and forth between uh, someone who has been traumatized and a narcissist and how they fit like a little puzzle piece. Um, and so for me, I'm very hypervigilant and I feel like because I grew up with a narcissistic parent, I can really notice like instantaneously facial expressions that are kind of um, not aligning with what they're saying, um, like body language cues. Um, sometimes I notice that people who have um, narcissistic personality disorder have different eye movements than other people. Like I think um sorry, my brain's going on a tangent now of how to also include neurodivergence in this. But, um, you know, I think when we're being empathetic, when we're being caring and understanding, there's a way that I think our eyes look, and I don't even know if I can put words to this, but it's sort Mm. of just there. You can see emotion behind the eyes. Um, And I would say that even for people who are neurodivergent, I would still be able to see empathy behind the Mm -hmm. eyes. And it's almost like this blank stare that I see as this massive protective part that is just like, we will not allow emotion through. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's very evident now, but I, similarly to you, have been in relationships with people where I did not see that happening. Um, And looking back, just like you looking back at your ex-partner, you know, I can now see that as well from a time that I even said to one of my exes, I had two, so that's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of them, I said, we were in like a fight at one point and I said, like, look me directly in the eyes and tell me, you know, whatever it was that I thought he was lying about. And he looked me straight in the eyes and told me, 
And I was like, ooh, that's not a good sign. Mm. And then proceeded to, you know, forgive that for other various reasons of my own healing journey. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, it's really hard to tell. I would say the main things are, are they open to just on a basic level speaking about emotions? Do they have the emotional capacity to speak about it? And again, I think it's important that we bring in the line of like neurodivergence here because there's also difficulty with that for a separate reason, right? Of like interoception and like emotional awareness. But from my experience of being neurodivergent and being around other people who are neurodivergent, there's still empathy there and like a desire to understand and a desire to want to learn for most people versus I think a narcissist who's truly struggled to even want to engage in a conversation, like a lot of shutdown immediately. Um, I think another thing that I always bring up is DARVO. Have you ever heard of that before? Mm-mm. So there's like a really, um, it stands for deny, attack, or reflect, um, DARVO, victim, offender. And it basically means that they engage in this type of communication if there's a problem. So let's say you were bringing something to me and I was the narcissist in this case, and you were saying, um, you know, you really hurt my feelings when you said X, Y, Z. Um, I would deny, I'd be like, I didn't say that, <laughs> right? I did not say that. I didn't do that. You're making it up. That's the attack part, right? So you're making it up. You always think that I make things up. What's wrong with you? Reverse victim offender. Now I'm making you the victim or the offender um, instead of the victim. You did this wrong. Why are you always bringing problems up in our relationship? Why are you always making me out to be the bad guy? What's wrong with you and your past that you come here and tell me all of these problems that I have? So a Darvo pattern like that is very intrinsic to a narcissist because it's their ability to go, whoa, emotions, I can't take that. Here you go. You take that back and kind of just pass it along to you. So that was my long-winded way of saying, I think these are my couple ways of um, observing. What have you noticed in the lessons you've learned of how to notice them as well? Oh, I was just going to say like, that was so good. Like I was applying it as you were saying it to the person that I have dealt with the most that has this pattern. Absolutely. Um, I want to distinguish too, because I know that two of your partners have like this narcissistic um, pattern one of them ostensibly a very emotional person the Mm -hmm. other one not in touch with their emotions at all so you can have a narcissistic personality that also seems very outwardly emotional my person um they would always um say that their emotional responses to things were logic Um, And that my emotional responses to things were irrational. So Mm -hmm. they would always stand behind this, like, well, I am the picture of rationality and (laughs) logic, and you are being Mm -hmm. this emotional being, when in reality, um, he was being emotional, I was being emotional, but he would never acknowledge my emotions as real. His decisions were always the real ones. They were always the logical ones. And whenever I would try to bring up to him that he was being abusive um, or he was um, doing something that was manipulative, he would always come back to like, no, we talked about this. You're, you're falling into your trauma again. You Mm -hmm. were, and he would use a lot of therapy language, right? (laughs) He was very good with like, you're falling back into your trauma because you're seeing me as an abuser. And we've already agreed that I'm not an abuser. Um, I'm just logical, right? Just totally invalidating. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I could go back to myself, um, 
at that time, I would have um, said like, believe yourself, don't be the person who is willing to take on somebody else's reality, right? Mm -hmm. Hold your own reality. And I wasn't able to. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really proud of the, all the long, far away you've come from being able to notice it and your healing journey, but we'll get, we can talk about that on a different podcast, but, um, I was going to say to that effect, um, you know, the narcissist has a tendency to do that as a protective part too, which is that protector comes in and says, okay, we have learned at some point that it is not okay to be an emotional person. And that could again, come from trauma. I mean, usually is related to trauma with both my exes. It was, um, where they were told not to be emotional. And, and, you know, there is a a reason more men are narcissists than women because we're mm-hmm. they're told from a young age no emotions right so at some point that egg that part gets exiled in the back right that means we can't touch it we can't look at it also known as shadow self or whatever language and that protective part you know truly does make it so that they do only have their logic brain on like the emotional brain is exiled they cannot mm-hmm. access their emotions and so There is some truth to when that person says, like, I'm being logical. Like, yes, but a true logical person is someone who's able to use both parts of their brain to put things together and validate and be an empathetic, you know, person who doesn't have these exiled parts that they're fearful of coming to the front. So, you know, in in the inverse of that, I often work with clients who have borderline personality disorder and they present with the opposite problem. They've exiled their logical part and they act most from the emotional piece. Um, And so sometimes you see the combination of those two interacting and it really is just two different traumatized parts that have been pushed to the back with a different protector in the front. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the, it's so interesting. You were speaking to the, like the kind of dead eyes, because when I was looking at this ex of mine and the TikTok videos, I was like, okay, yeah. What I'm mainly noticing is I can tell there's a constructed performance going on. Yeah. Um, And there is not a minute, like a moment by moment connection with the emotional response. Mm-hmm. Um, And I had never noticed that or like, like I'm a very intuitive person. I'm very connected with what people are feeling. I can see it all over their face, but I had never connected that with the narcissism. And so if you would have talked to me before, I would have said, well, I can see that an act is going on. Yes. But a lot of people are doing acts, Mm -hmm. right? And so it sounds like the main connection that I needed to make was, um, there is not a connection with the emotional self. And that's part of the act. Everybody may be doing an act, but there is emotional connection behind the eyes in some way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really hard to describe that. Um, And I'll give it some more thought and come back to it if I find more words to to describe it. But I think ultimately it's trying to understand, I mean, any sort of relationship is trying to understand like what part of someone is exiled, what part of someone is the protector and how is that showing up in combination with how you need them to. And so I think, you know, there might be some people in relationship with narcissists who are okay with that dynamic because they have their own exiled parts that match up well with that person. Um, And that's been an interesting thing for me to deal with as a therapist when I see this dynamic playing out. Um, But for most of us who are more 
you know, kind of in touch with our emotions and intuitive and, you know, even empathetic, it's a very hard dynamic to be a part of because we can see through that mask, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. which is, I think, a problem that you have run into before, which is you see it, but you also see through to the other side. And underneath that mask is someone who's very wounded and who is very traumatized. And sometimes, right, when we're traumatized, we relate best to other people who have also gone through similar things. And so I think at least from my experience, what drew me to some of my exes was I could see that they get me, they like understand that hurt, and I could see through it to the other side, but they couldn't. (laughs) And that's where the disconnect Mm -hmm. was. Such a good, um, such a good explanation of that. Um, I had a thought and then it totally went away, but it's not fully gone. So I'm just going to keep talking until it kind of comes back. Um, because we were talking about like, um, narcissistic relationships. I think one of the, um, oh, I remember what it was. Uh, you're talking a lot around parts work. So I just want to, um, for the listeners who are not mm-hmm. familiar with parts work, this is internal family systems. It comes from uh, mainly the book, No Bad Parts. Um, there's another practitioner, I've read his books. Um, uh, it's escaping me. He wrote a book called uh, Symbi- Symbiosis and Autonomy. And he, um, it's like internal family systems, but it's his own system. Anyway, he has the kind of same thing. Um, so here's what the parts are. Um, there is uh, a traumatized part of us that happens in a in a traumatic situation. That part needs protection. It's very hurt. It is wounded. And so that part gets tucked away and we try to never experience it. It lives deep inside us. Um, there is now a part, another part that has split off that needs to protect that part. Those, the protectors are usually the ones that are causing the most problems in our lives. They're the ones that create the narcissism, any personality problems. Um, all they're ever doing is spending all their energy trying to protect the wounded part so that the wounded part can never see Mm -hmm. the light of day. Um, And then there is a third part that is the healthy energy, the healthy part of the self that has still um, survived and been allowed to kind of grow up. Um, And so whenever I'm doing parts work, I can identify, okay, what's my like healthy energy doing? What's my, um, sometimes I call it my adult, like what's my adult energy Mm -hmm. doing? Yeah, I like authentic. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And then what other voices can I experience here? I might experience a voice that's like screaming and saying like, um, they don't love me. They're not paying enough attention to me, et cetera, right? There Mm -hmm. is um, somebody who needs something, right? Mm -hmm. And then there's another person in there who their job is to quiet that person down. No, mm-hmm. no, you don't have needs. You got to shut this down. Nobody's going to love you if you express express your needs. So there are, are warring parts inside us. Yeah. And that's all that internal family systems does is it helps us identify the protectors. Um, what are their goals? Identify the, um, the exiles or the wounded parts, um, help them feel loved and accepted and integrate and, um, the way that I understand traumatized people now is just having more fractured parts of you mm-hmm. than other exactly. people. 
more healthy people, less mentally traumatized people don't have as much fracturing. I think they still do have some fracturing. Um, The more trauma you've been through, the more fracturing you have from every instance that you were traumatized. Is that way you, the way you see that? Um, yeah, I wouldn't say every time you experience trauma, there's a fracture, but I would say that usually there's fractures around the helplessness that was felt at the time of the trauma and therefore protectors are developed to, you know, it's, I love parts work because it's so um, positively focused, you know, no bad parts, all of our parts are trying to help us. So each time we were going through something and we felt alone and we didn't have the resources we needed, a protector was developed um, to do its best job to make us feel safe, to make us feel heard um, and keep us from feeling that awful feeling we felt during the trauma. So it's not like a full, you know, every time there's a trauma, there's a, there's a break in the self, but it is more common, you know, the, this now is a little tangent, but like for someone with DID, for example, um, that is more breaks in the self essentially. What is DID? Sorry, dissociative identity disorder. So what we mm-hmm. think of as, um, you know, split personalities and, you know, unfortunately the, the disorder that's been portrayed in movies very incorrectly and mm-hmm. shows, but, um, you know, that's essentially just many, many splits of the self. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's just an important understanding here. And we are not saying that narcissists are not people who Mm -hmm. deserve love. However, um, most of you who are going to be in relationships with narcissists are the type of people who will take on everything, take on responsibility and try to help someone uh, get better. And that is not your um, purpose in relationship, Mm -hmm. your purpose in relationship is to be loved and to have a happy life. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you're in a relationship with someone who will not take emotional responsibility, they need to go to therapy. Um, Narcissists are, uh, they're not functioning in empathy. And so they are very difficult people to be in relationship with. Um, And I will not pair with narcissists anymore. I don't Mm -hmm. know Um, I really don't know anyone who has been through a narcissistic relationship, um, a relationship with a narcissist who would sign up for that again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that we pretty much go, you need to go to therapy and start taking responsibility for yourself. Um, And it seems like a fundamental part of a narcissist that they are kind of like incapable of taking responsibility for their behavior. So how do people even get diagnosed? Mm -hmm. Um, well, the part around, I mean, to me, it's very clear when someone's a narcissist. So you walk into my office, I can see it on TikTok value in two seconds. You walk into my office, I can diagnose you. So that part is, is a little bit easier, but, um, you know, the, the piece around not being able to take responsibility for itself, it's, it's the biggest protective part that I have ever seen, right? Like there are protective parts that use substances. There are protective parts that self-harm. There are protective parts that, um, try to keep you in place by giving you depression, right? And, those are all big protective parts. The protective part of a narcissist is massive. It is, Mm -hmm. we will not get through. And so in order for somebody to heal, it is really hard to bring this into their awareness because that protector won't even let it come into awareness. So by sitting there and trying to explain this, that protector is going to blank face that. What are you talking about? You're this therapist is crazy that, you know, it's going to just kind of darvo it back and forth. So you know, I've only worked with a handful of people with NPD, um, but a lot of it has to do with playing to the protector, right? So 
what does the practitioner want to keep this person safe? So how can we bring the authentic self forward so that the protector feels like authentic self can take care of this person, can keep them safe, and protector can back down maybe just a smidgen to -hmm. examine what's going on. But that can't happen without the protector trusting the other parts a little bit more because a lot of that stems from like not trusting authentic self or adult self or whatever you want to call it to be able to feel emotion right because the inner you know wounded usually inner child wounded exiled part couldn't and shouldn't and doesn't you know they don't want them to but can adult self do it maybe Mm -hmm. and usually that plays a little bit to the narcissist ego self of Mm -hmm. well of course I can what do you mean of course I can do anything yes I can feel emotion okay let's try it right and that's where you get the in. <laughs> um, the other, the other thing that I wanted to sort of ask you or ask you to like differentiate for me is, um, I know that you have, um, experienced like a lot of different narcissistic relationships in your life. Um, can you differentiate for me what it would look like to be in a a parenting, a parent-child relationship with a narcissist versus a romantic relationship with a narcissist. Do you think those are very different? Um, I think they're different the way they look, but fundamentally pretty much the same. So with my parental relationship, it was very much, it was and is very much, my needs matter, yours do not. Um, And it was a very tough environment to grow in, grow up in with a parent that was not able to be a parent because I think a fundamental part of being a parent is being able to address your child's needs, no matter what they are, whether it Mm -hmm. ranges from food needs, sleep needs, basic human needs to emotional needs. Um, And so, you know, what that looked like for me growing up was um, I can't ask for anything. I can't um, cry. I can't be upset. I can't express emotion um, because this parent always has to be the one to take up space. Um, and you know, that created a definitely sort of that, um, I don't know what word I want to use to describe myself, but that like people pleasing, I think response of like, oh, okay. My role in life then is to make sure this person is happy. Um, and it's really easy when you have learned that your whole life to go into your first romantic relationship going, okay, my role in relationship is to do whatever this other person wants. Right. And like, just allow them to make the choices and allow them to take up the emotional space and allow them to do all of these things. Um, And so my first relationship outside of, you know, when I was younger um, was very much that way. Like I always say that X was a carbon copy of my parent Um, and it's Mm -hmm. repetition compulsion to an extreme because it's just what I knew right down to the way that they would threaten self-harm down to the way that they would Mm. um you know just really take up the space especially if something was wrong with me like if I was sick or if I had Mm. a need that I was out of my control right um so I think in some ways it can be very similar especially through the repetition compulsion piece um the ways that I think it's different is my relationship after that which you kind of talked a little bit about was narcissistic in a completely different way. And so walking, me walking into it, I was like, this is different, right? Because that person, the first person was, was very, very explosive, emotional. was very yeah. emotional, me, 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 very outwardly, like what I think people think of a narcissist. The second relationship had no emotion. And so of course, coming from one traumatized experience to the other, I'm like, no emotion. That sounds great. Yes. yes. Let's get on board with that. Um, 
but it was no emotion because he was not allowing himself to feel any emotion or experience Uh any emotion. Um, And so it was kind of just the other end of the coin where on one hand, it can look very me, me, me. And on the other hand, it can look very rehearsed. I don't know what other word to use, but kind of just like he was always had a face on. He looked a specific way in public. He wanted people to like him. He paid for everything because he wanted to, you know, to be known as someone who had money. So it's kind of that other end of the coin of like, I'm important, right? That like grandiosity, but it was quieter. It was like not something that someone would notice unless they're in direct relationship with that person. So Mm -hmm. did that answer that question? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, really important to know that like a narcissist can show on all side, like all parts of the emotional spectrum, but the essential mechanism is my emotions matter and yours don't. I am the center of the universe. Um, Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about kind of like what led us into our narcissistic relationships because I think it could be really helpful for um anyone who is like trying to understand their patterns um so I guess I'll just speak to like what my patterns were in relationships and how they progressed like my early patterns coming out of my trauma and my heartbreak um was to be I was in a succession of relationships where um the person couldn't see me I would choose people who could not connect with me emotionally who made me feel like pretty safe and who I could kind of boss around a bit um maybe not in a narcissistic way but just in a way of like you'll never see me and I'll be very safe here because you will never uncover what I'm actually thinking mm-hmm. um very emotionally disconnected way to be in relationship and very numb um after coming out of a succession of those relationships and be- being very confused about what love was or about what connection was I was like, well, I'm going to try to let someone in who I actually do like respect and admire, right? Mm -hmm. Which is very new to me. Usually I would let people in who I didn't respect Mm -hmm. so that they couldn't hurt me. Mm -hmm. Um, They couldn't hurt me. Um, So that is when I met my narcissistic person and I was absolutely obsessed with him. (laughs) I was really obsessed with his logical ways, right? Mm -hmm. Really obsessed with like his intellectualism. And I thought he was like a genius and like this, um, such an amazing, like impressive person. And I was really looking for someone to be my sun and moon and like the center of the universe and someone that I could kind of worship honestly Mm -hmm. um and because of my daddy issues like I have always been really confused about what healthy um like healthy masculine energy is and what I was thinking that it was is like you know I really want someone to like direct me and to Mm -hmm. like okay let's go over here oh, that's interesting mm-hmm. that you said that, but I actually think this is what it is. So let's, you know, I'm going to be your leader, right? Mm. And I was like, oh, I love that. That's so sexy. <laughs> like be my leader, you know, like female containment, like that whole thing. <laughs> um, And that would, that's what led me to the narcissism. It's like, I was attracted to this, like, I'm the boss of you energy, mm-hmm. honestly. And I think that it's what I like in people. Cause I, I you always tell me like, you like narcissists. I don't know why. <laughs> like you really like that energy in people. And I yeah. do. And it's what I'm like, that's leadership energy. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> so anyway, that's what led me 
to him. And obviously it's the thing that caused all the problems later on. And mm-hmm. I know that you are very obsessed with one of your narcissists. So I'm <laughs> curious to hear what you think yeah. led you into the relationships. Yeah. I mean, I think I spoke to a little bit of this already. I mean, my first one was straight repetition compulsion. I mean, it was exactly which, you know, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's just trying to, um, relive another difficult traumatic or difficult relationship pattern with someone else in the unconscious hope that you will solve that wound so you know for me it was a narcissistic parent who never allowed me to express my needs express my wants um, really have a voice and there's something that happens when you when you grow up without a secure attachment where you are unconsciously trying to do it again but this time there's this belief that like I will do it right this time. I will people please better. I will, you know, whatever it is. And so I think unconsciously that was my drive for my first relationship, which was, oh, this is familiar. This is safe. I know how to do this relationship, right? Like I know how to be the person who doesn't have needs. I know how to be the cool girl back then too. I was 18, 19, 20. I was trying to be the cool girl also. So Mm -hmm. there was a lot of mix of that of like, this is a really easy way to do that, right? Um, And then I think- With the second partner, it was kind of exactly like you said, not so much looking for leadership, but by then I was burnt out from Mm -hmm. growing up with an explosive person to dating an explosive person for five years that I just loved that the second person had no emotions. It was a great break. And, you know, I stand by that. I don't stand by the fact that I dated, you know, two narcissists back to back and didn't take time Mm -hmm. to self-reflect. That's my cat banging on the door. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But, you know, I definitely don't regret giving myself an emotional break at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said, you know, it's a weird thing to say, oh, all everyone, narcissists are bad, narcissists are bad. Yeah, I think long term, they're not great for your health if they're not working on themselves. But sometimes you, you know, I needed that two year break, to be honest. Um, wasn't great. Didn't have a healthy relationship with him either because when I did have emotions or I did have needs, he wasn't receptive. Yep. Um, but it wasn't an explosive way. It was just in like a shutdown way of like, oh, let's see something's going on with her. All right. <laughs> you know, it's just this yeah. like inability to comprehend. Um, and so I think there's a lot of things that can lead someone into a narcissist relationship, but the core of it is always what's going on with me that I feel I need an avoidant person in my life? Why am I feeling like I need to have somebody who is not respecting me? That's always the core. Yeah. I end up in a lot of avoidant patterns with people too. And I know that the pattern that always leads me there is um, the feeling within me that someone's not paying enough attention to me, that someone's not attentive enough and my soul just wants to work on that lesson over and over. <laughs> and so it looks for people that will bring that feeling out in me. And it drives me freaking crazy. Um, mm-hmm. The feeling of like someone's not paying attention to me. And so I'm not lovable. Right. And it's like mm-hmm. the the way that relationship patterning works is like we love to pair with people who push our buttons and then. Mm-hmm to work on that lesson over and over again. And a lot of being in a healthy relationship for me has been to um, give up on those buttons and to be like, I don't need to experience these buttons anymore. I don't need to Mm -hmm. experience these emotional tones anymore. I'm going to choose someone who feels really safe and steady and loving. Um, And we are both now in relationships with people who treat us like princess queens. Like Mm -hmm. we 
feel so well treated by these people. We feel so validated. And a lot of that, like me getting there had to do with um, me being willing to take up space. Because if you, yeah. if you had talked to the, you know, 2020 me, I would have been like, well, I don't deserve to take up space. Who am I to be treated like a princess? If someone mm-hmm. had treated me like a princess, I would have felt very uncomfortable. Right. And now when I get treated like a princess, I'm like, yes, thank you. Very <laughs> deserving of that. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> we are. And all the listeners are too. But I think, you know, with that also comes, and I think I said this to you right when you first started dating your current partner, where I was like, welcome to a healthy relationship. You're about to find out all the ways you suck. Yes. <laughs> I, mean that, I mean that in the most loving way possible. But part of our desire sometimes to stay in unhealthy relationships, narcissist or no narcissist, is that it is so much easier to spend our time focusing on all the problems that person has and spend our time drained from dealing with this other person and drained Mm -hmm. from dealing with their issues. And, you know, when you talk to your friends and family, oh, I'm just so tired because this person and this person, it's so much easier to externalize it. When you finally decide, okay, I'm going to try to engage, like you said, I'm going to just shift the pattern and I'm going to try to deal, you know, engage with someone who isn't my natural type, but is treating me well. And, you know, all of a sudden you see all the areas that you have to work on as a person. Um, And I think that's something that's not talked about a lot in like this discourse of leaving a a difficult relationship to a healthy one. There has to be some willingness to put in self-work in that time. Cause that's when I started realizing all of the places that I had internalized narcissistic behavior, not necessarily saying that I'm a narcissist, but how had I watched that it was appropriate to get mad? I watched it was appropriate to get mad by screaming and yelling and cursing. And I had never had anyone tell me that was the wrong way to handle it because my narcissistic parent sure wasn't doing it. My exes sure weren't doing it. But this healthy person absolutely told me I will not had a boundary and said, I will not stand for that. Right. And that's where I was like, oh, I am acting inappropriately, right? And that takes time to reflect of like, I internalized a pattern of this is how you get mad, right? And it takes time to kind of work on that and willingness to work on that. So I do think sometimes people get stuck on that where they're like, but this is so much work and it is, and it sucks. (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, I don't know, people who are the kinds that, take on everything, take on all the responsibility are much easier to work with than like the narcissist. So kind of going back to what I said is like, if you're ending up in a relationship with a narcissist, you're probably providing the complementary personality for that, which is somebody who takes on everything. So Mm -hmm. um, usually people who have these patterns are all from traumatized families, um, family patterns of trauma, alcoholism, abuse, et cetera. Um, And they are two different types of people who gain control over the world in different ways. The narcissist gains control over the world by blaming everybody else and by Mm -hmm. not having emotions. And their unconsciousness is, I am good and everybody else is bad. And so they never are really able to self-reflect or work on themselves fundamentally um, Mm -hmm. until they soften a bit. And the um, the person who's the compliment for that is the person who gains control over the world by taking responsibility for everything Absolutely. and by taking everything on and by people pleasing everybody and mm-hmm. feeling an undue sense of control over other people by how they manipulate people, mainly with making them like them. Yep. Um, 
So that is more of a fawn response, but both of these come from trauma responses. And um, the other way that you could say that is the narcissist is the more avoidant person. They are avoidant of intimacy and the um, sort of uh, compliment for that is the more anxiously attached person. They are more pursuing of intimacy. They're more emotionally connected. Um, But uh the sort of like I call it the codependent side I don't know if that's like official therapy language um but that person can like be reasoned with because they can self-reflect and Mm -hmm. it's been so hard for me with that kind of patterning because most of my work is like yeah it's kind of somebody else's problem and you don't have control over that and I hate Mm -hmm. that answer (laughs) I love the idea that I am kind of the person that does have control over this behavior and it turns out that I was just kind of like choosing not not really the right partners for me partners Mm -hmm. that didn't make me feel safe and I was responsible for those Mm -hmm. choices I was responsible for staying in those relationships Mm -hmm. um and in my healthy relationship like you were just saying like you'll see all the problems that you have Mm -hmm. um the main problems that I see coming up are like my avoidance side so the ways that I run from intimacy the ways that I still show up fake Mm -hmm. um I am faking my emotions sometimes when I don't even realize it and it's because there's some protective part of me that says you need to be having this response and you're having the wrong response you're having Mm -hmm. the wrong emotional response Mm -hmm. um and that goes back to autism too because Mm -hmm. I never seem to have the right emotional response to things. And so I learned early on that like, okay, we need to see how everybody else is reacting. And then we need to mm-hmm. have that reaction mm-hmm. that can get me really twisted up in romantic yeah. relationships too, because I'm like, um, you're supposed to have this reaction. You're supposed to feel love here. You're supposed to mm-hmm. feel like connection here. And sometimes mm-hmm. I don't feel it. And mm-hmm. a lot of people don't make me feel safe to express that. Um, one of the reasons that we have connected so well, you and I, is because we have sort of opposite emotional patterning. So like my emotional patterning is super internal and it's full of filters and yours like needs more filters. Like you, (laughs) you're more external. Um, but we both have sort of had that pattern of like, oh, I'll just take everything on and be responsible for it. And that's great because I'm very responsible and effective in the world and mm-hmm. um, not surprising that we both have burned ourselves out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not surprising at all <laughs> that now we're just dealing with this burnout from everything we mentioned on this podcast and then some. So I have been watching um, mainly ladies, you know, it's a lot of, there's a, like you said, there's a reason that more men are narcissists than women. I think that there, there's a reason that more women um, gain these more like, um, highly responsible highly effective personalities than men do um because a lot of like our gender training but I've been watching a lot of the the girlies who are like chronically burned out mm-hmm. god and a lot of us have this pattern and I'm like yeah. wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great if like the answer to that was just that like we're freaking doing too much we're like in control mm-hmm. of too much yep. it's got to be a part of it Absolutely. I mean, it definitely is. And I think that's also part of learning to be in a healthy relationship after being in one where not only did we offer to take on everything, but then we were also told to take on everything, like the emotional load, you know, house household load, everything, right? But um, 
when you're in a healthy relationship, sometimes I think it can become stressful, at least for me, it's become stressful sometimes to give up the mental load. Like my partner is more than willing (laughs) to take on things, Mm -hmm. but I am so used to getting this sense of control through the world of controlling things that it's hard. So I'll say something, you know, really simple, like, can you clean up the dishes tonight? But he doesn't do it exactly how I would want to. And so now I just don't even want to ask him to do it anymore because I might Mm -hmm. as well just do it the right way. Right. So there's a lot of relearning to relent control and still feeling safe. And that's been a really big lesson for me in my current healthier relationship. And knowing that I don't have to do that because this other partner is going to be there for me and going to emotionally respond to me, whereas my other partners and my parent didn't. Yeah, we're getting a little bit off of narcissism, but that's fine. That's kind of the theme of this podcast. We go into (laughs) other topics, but um, I think so like domestically women complain a lot that their partners, their male partners are not like doing enough. I, but I happen to think that most of that work is, um, is on the side of the over-functioning woman. And Mm -hmm. it's mostly because in family systems, not internal family systems, but in family systems, when they teach you how to effectively fight, they teach you about overfunctioning and they say mm-hmm. the pattern always is that the overfunctioner has to let down some of their energy mm-hmm. so that the underfunctioner can step in. And sure. I've been thinking about that a lot in like domestic patterns. And it's mostly on our side when we're doing too much to like let it down and let mm. the other person who is an adult like take responsibility for themselves and do some stuff. I know you said that it's not applying to narcissists, but I think you can apply that to narcissism and and being in a relationship with a narcissist by saying the same thing, right? Which is like, you also, you know, for us, I know a big part of both my relationships with narcissists were like, I can see through them. I can see the other side. I can see where they're good people. I can see the hurt self. I can see the authentic self because it would shine through. I think that's an important part to notice too, is like, it's not like they're 24 seven being a shit person. They're also like, there are places where their authentic self would would show through. Um, And so I think to say that we also have to relent the control of this is an adult person who, you know, also has the responsibility to do their own healing work and to move along their path, whatever it may be in this lifetime. And so for us to sit there and make our whole life story about trying to control our safety through controlling them is ironically exactly what the narcissist is doing. But like you said, through a completely the other side of the lens. Yeah. 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 And um, for anybody who feels like they may be in one of these relationship patterns, um, what was healing for me was to invest my energy into myself, to pull it away from the obsession with them and controlling their behavior. And my answer to you, if you would have said that to me, was, well, I can't because they are X, Y, and Z threatening my safety, my bank mm-hmm. account, et cetera. And so I would say to you as the voice of reason, okay, well, you need to draw back into a place where they can't do that to you because you're, you're, you should be focused on your own life. You should be, be investing energy into your own self-esteem, your own like self-care and to be spending so much time on someone else is a sign that you are in your own kind of a trauma response. Mm-hmm. Um, and so healthy relating is that uh, everybody takes care of themselves. Everybody takes responsibility for their own emotional patterns. Yeah. Um, but not over responsibility for other people's patterns, which is so hard for people mm-hmm. like me 
because I just want to take responsibility for everybody and see everybody's pain and um, make it all okay. Yep. And at the end of the day, I had to step away from that person. And the further that I got away from them, they could not blame me for their problems anymore because I was fundamentally not involved in their life. Mm-hmm. And I saw once I got away from them, all the things that I had been blamed for, especially my emotional truth. I was like, yeah. oh my God, as soon as I stepped away from this person, I had clarity and I could see by stepping into their field, how confused I started to feel. Yeah. They would twist everything around. They would make it make it seem so like everything was my fault. And then once I gained separation, I was like, okay, they were mm-hmm. the person that was doing that. And mm-hmm. it was really tricky for me to accept too, that they had some conscious level of doing manipulation to me. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes I still want to believe that it's totally unconscious. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, I could still step back and say, this person needs to take responsibility for their life. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to go find someone who seems to be able to take care of themselves. Um, And that's the other part of it too, is like when we're pairing with a narcissist, um, one of the things that attracted me to to mine was like, he was unemployed. He was very uh, emotionally like depressed and angry and stuff all the time. And like, it was nice to have a project, you know, mm-hmm. it was nice to have someone to help. And in my own insecurity, I realized like, I kind of wanted somebody who was going to be not fully okay, because then nobody could steal them from me, you know, like mm-hmm. he could be mine. Right. And that's mm-hmm. my own sick sense of insecurity is Mm. like oh interesting I'm attracted to somebody that I think that I can control because they're not they're not okay Mm. right (laughs) they're not healthy they're not Mm -hmm. somebody that somebody else would want to date right Mm -hmm. and um just being real with Mm -hmm. all of your patterns and realizing that like this is how we undo like generational trauma. This is how we, and as long as we can have a basis of like self-reflection and honesty with ourselves, like all these things can be undone. Yeah. Um, my experience with my healthy relationship is just like, wow, it's this easy, huh? Mm-hmm. And that's all I had to do was <laughs> go out and find something that felt easy and then work on accepting that. That is very boring. It doesn't feel like there's any work in that. Um, yeah. And all the work is just on myself and like kind of being alone and like, wow, I feel really lonely right now. That's Mm -hmm. interesting, but I'm fully loved. Why do I feel lonely? Um, And I don't know, in a way it was kind of nice to have this endless project that could never be finished and never be solved, right? It was an unsolvable problem with the narcissist. And there was always this feeling of like, once I solve this, then it'll be the fantasy land, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that being said to you, were kind of saying something before around, um, you know, like, do they, did they care? Did they not? Did they know they were manipulating me? Did they not? And I think part of the narcissist game is to catch you in that and then keep you that way because you are, Absolutely. you are trying to figure it out. You are trying to see the authentic self. Right. But I think the healing for me came when I was like, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't yes. matter. I don't need to keep myself in this back and forth because at the end of the day, it is keeping me in a place of insecurity when I could be with somebody who does not cause this back and forth with me in my mind. And, you know, you and I even just talked about this, I think literally yesterday, how this relates to where I'm at with my parent relationship too, because I think this same thing applies to a parent who's narcissistic where, 
you can spend your whole life, you know, let's say the parent does something good for you, right? Like they buy you something you want or they spend time with you and it's fun. And you're like, all right, well, do they care about me then? You know, like, are they trying to meet my needs? And you can have that same back and forth. Yeah. And it took me a really long time, but eventually I was able to get to the place where I was like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're trying to be good or not, if they're trying to manipulate me or not, if they know they are or not, right? It's they are at the end of the day. And my val- my experience is valid. My experience is real. And I get to take that information and do what I want with it and decide if I want to be around this person or not. And I think that's the power. That's when you finally get to the place where you're like, oh, okay, like this isn't a game I need to be involved in. And I think that that is how we will find more healing for narcissists. I think one of the primary problems is that there are people who are willing to be in relationship with narcissists still. Mm -hmm. And, uh, one of the very helpful things is that they have um, lonely lives eventually if enough people are healing and like, oh, I'm not going to engage with you. Um, they will be drawn to find what is wrong and hopefully they'll end up in therapy. And it's a very similar thing that we talk about with like domestic issues and like men not putting in enough effort. Well, if enough men are not engaged with because they're not putting in effort, um, they will eventually try to figure out what's wrong with them. I Um, hope so, but I cannot guarantee that. (laughs) I don't know. I'm so proud of people who are in their healing process and who are um, sort of cutting people out of their lives. And like Mm -hmm. some people put up walls and they don't engage with their parent anymore. Some Mm -hmm. people um, set up boundaries where they say, I will not engage with you if you do X, Y, and Z behavior. One of the best ways to... um, to sort of call out a narcissist or like to actually it'll like repel them usually is just to try to hold the truth of your experience uh this works especially with parents where you're like this is what happened to me growing up and it was really upsetting to me and I don't like how you completely invalidate it and the parent will go well I was doing the best that I could so what do you expect from me and you Mm -hmm. go Well, I expect you to take responsibility for what happened to me because I'm a person who has emotions and like, I'm important. I'm your child. Mm -hmm. I will not just accept any treatment. Mm -hmm. Um, And that will throw them into anger. It will throw them into um, like, you know, tossing and turning. And it'll do the same thing to any sort of narcissistic person that you're in a romantic relationship with. And um, if that repels them, if going hey, I'm a person who has emotions and like, I need to be respected. If that repels someone, then that's not a good sign. Absolutely. And I will also add to that just to like, kind of play the other side of it too. Like they're not all narcissists are, you know, well, okay. I think all narcissists can have abusive behaviors, but I just wanted to say that not all narcissists, you know, are like physically abusive, for example. But if you are in a situation with a narcissist where there is physical abuse, like you also are allowed to keep yourself safe by not also challenging that narrative too. Um, and, you know, instead seeking like resources in your community. I just, as a therapist, feel like I need to throw that in there as well. Mm-hmm. I, there are also, maybe this goes without saying, there are no physically abusive situations that aren't acting from some kind of unconsciousness. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if there are people out there that believe that there's like healthy ways to be physically um, fighting with people. Also, just like total uh, emotional manipulation. There's no emotional manipulation that operates in any sort of healthy range. Mm-hmm. All um, healthy communicating is like communicating truth, mm-hmm. um, basis of talking about 
emotions um and like needs are clearly stated mm-hmm. rather than um trying to get needs met in backdoor ways yeah um i'll just attack on to that one of the best ways to identify like um trauma bonds and traumatic ways of relating with people is to see if people are trying to get their needs met in backdoor ways mm-hmm. if they're not clearly stating their needs or clearly mm-hmm. aware of their needs yeah so. absolutely and I think that I'm gonna maybe tangent we'll see how this goes but related to that I wanted to ask what your thoughts were on you know I was I was thinking the other day I was like narcissism is also a form of repetition compulsion because I think it is a way of trying to get a need met and hear me out I'm gonna try to how I can how I can say it but if repetition compulsion is the idea that there was an original wound and we're trying to replay it so that we can win or we can feel better we can solve the original wound right let's say I mean this was at least the case for my second narcissist where you know he had an awful relationship with his mother from day one really really rough and I think a lot of what he was playing out was trying to make me be like her, like essentially belittle me, belittle my emotional state, belittle my intelligence so much so that I was now just like mom. And because he was the narcissist in this dynamic, he was the winner, quote unquote. And so I do think there's a piece of narcissism that is super similar to like we were saying, like the people pleasing side or the empathy side or the codependent side, where both of us are repeating a pattern and trying to win And I think in that situation, no one is ever going to win. Like it is just not possible, like you said, to get your needs met through repeating an an unconscious pattern. And so I think for me, at least when I'm working with people in therapy, bringing awareness to that is like the first step of like, this isn't going to meet your needs. You can repeat this to the day you die if you want, (laughs) but it is going to stay the same. And so we have to actively get your needs met through a healthier route. So you think their repetition compulsion is basically they were in a parenting relationship where the parent expressed to them there is a good side and a bad side in relationship and you are on the bad side and I'm on the good side. So what they tried to do is find someone that they could be on the good side and they can make the other person be on the bad side. Is that kind of what it is? I wouldn't say that's always the case, but I think it can be the case sometimes, right? Where it's like, um, you know, like I'm really just speaking from what I know of of my second um the second person I was in a relationship with, but his mom like belittled him and put him down and said some of the most heinous things to him that I've ever heard. Um, And so I think, of course, that makes someone feel very small. And so the reaction to that could be one of two things. It could be, I'm an awful person and I should never deserve anything good in the world. Or it can be, F this, I'm the best person in the world. I'm going to develop this narcissistic lens where I don't feel bad. I don't have to feel anything. I'm the best actually. And so I think to win that dynamic, would be then to be in relationship with somebody where they are the small one, they are the little one, they are the one who doesn't, you know, mean anything and is nothing. And so I think that can be how the repetition compulsion piece comes about where it doesn't solve the original wound though, right? Like you still have that wound with your mom and ultimately it doesn't help to just continuously belittle other people out in the world. So. Yeah. I'm trying to think of my narcissist. I want to talk through this just a little bit because I know a lot about his relationship with his mom again terrible relationship with his mom his mom um was very unconscious and narcissistic herself she barely knew that she had children um Mm. it was a very like we talk about this like um kind of like gen x was raised as like latchkey kids so Mm -hmm. she would like um 
on one hand say that he was the most amazing child ever, that he was like this gifted child and like, oh my God, you're a genius. And then she would like, uh, like totally neglect him physically and emotionally. He wasn't fed. So he got two um, opposite bits of information. Okay, I'm the most amazing person ever. And um, somebody's doing something that's outwardly mm-hmm. abusive to me. So I understand what love is, is just like total neglect and abuse. Yeah. So I don't understand how that would be a repetition compulsion for him. Um, but yeah, I'm just like verbally processing this a little bit. Yeah. Um, and th- one of the things that you wanted to bring up, I know, is like um, that narcissists seem seem to have this like pretty heavy people pleasing part of them. Mm-hmm. And it was very true for um, the man that I was in a relationship to with too. He had almost no self-esteem. And Mm -hmm. so all of his self-esteem was constructed. It was fake. Mm -hmm. And with almost everybody that he would be in the room with, he would be constructing a personality for. Um, And that was very exhausting for him. And he had a very hard time having different friends in a room together because he was a different person with every single one. Mm -hmm. Um, And so like, and all of that was born out of his insecurity, his inability Mm -hmm. to be his authentic self. Um, And he knew that he was doing that. Like he, I would talk to him about it. Like, yeah, you're just kind of like a different person with everybody. And he was like, well, I don't believe that I have enough worth to be myself. So obviously I have to be somebody else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, going back to the first thing you said, I, I could definitely see how having splitting from a parent like that could create a repetition compulsion. Again, I'm not saying this is the case for every narcissist. I just think it can also be the case for some. So that's why I said in my original definition, right? Like I don't like the way the DSM just says this is what a narcissist is because it can come from so many different angles. But if he's getting the messaging of I'm amazing, I'm great, I'm the best, but not getting his needs met, wouldn't it then make sense to portray that with somebody else like to do that to you for example Mm -hmm. of like love bombing you're the best you're the best you're the best but your needs don't get met I don't want to hear about your emotions I don't want to hear about your you know are you hungry I don't want to hear about it right so Mm -hmm. it's like the same it's the repetition of just like what they know as love with the goal of you know it's it's an unconscious goal it's not a conscious goal but it's like if I can be the one who's it's a power and control thing the same way that people who sometimes are physically abused end up becoming the abuser it's the same dynamic in the sense of like if I can win if I can be the one in control then the original wound will be healed but it's not the case right yeah that makes so much sense if I can be the one if I can be the center of the universe then the original wound will get healed that makes so much sense Mm -hmm. yeah um I am beginning to tire and (laughs) I think that I brought up everything that I wanted to bring up Um, and I'll just reiterate that anybody who thinks they may be in a relationship with someone like this um, it would be great to get into your own therapy if you're not already and have like a sounding board and a therapist like Sarah Um, I'm sure you've worked with many people who are going through this and you are able to say to them like, Hey, I think you might be in kind of a narcissistic relationship and you might be helped by, um, mostly getting out of that relationship. 
for the most part. Yeah. But I think it's not always, unfortunately, it's not always that simple too. And I think it's okay to take time with it, right? Like even if you hear this podcast and then you're really motivated, that's awesome. And give yourself the space and time to process all of that too. Because again, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot when you're enmeshed with somebody, whether it's a parent or a romantic partner, um, it's, it's hard. It's, it's hard because your own attachment wounds are involved and so are theirs. So it's not, it's not a simple one, two, three. Yeah. Very good advice. Um, do you want to say, uh, again, where people can find you or what they can, uh, look you up on? Sure. I think the easiest way to just find me if you want to see more of my videos or anything would be TikTok. Um, I'm at S-B-B-I-G-S-S-B-Biggs. Uh, you can also find me on healinghumanintegrativehealth.com or my podcast on Spotify, Healing Human with Sarah Bigman. Very good. And I am uh, featured on Sarah's yeah. podcast <laughs> because we're friends. So yes. <laughs> um, also you'll find an episode with me there when we were talking about chronic health. Um chronic health issues I don't know how to say that anyway (laughs) um yes thank you for being on and um I am going to stop recording but don't go away just yet okay